So, um, Alastair Comston, ABN medalist, 2016. Uh, you've just talked about your career and what you've achieved, and multiple sclerosis in particular. In a sentence or two, how would you say multiple sclerosis now, in 2016, uh, is different to how it was when you first faced the disease many years ago? And in particular, what have you done that has made it different? Well, I, I could answer the first question e easily. I might make four points, if I may. I mean, when I first started uh, doing MS research in the 1970s, I remember being interviewed for a clinical post at Queen's Square, and w one member of the panel said, well, you seem a dedicated and committed person, but surely you're not going to continue working in multiple sclerosis. It is the ultimate graveyard for aspiring clinicians and researchers. So, the second thing I'd say is that Clearly, that was wrong, and in my view, multiple sclerosis is the great success story of neurological disease uh, of the last uh, generation. The third thing I would say is that the reason for that is that by luck or judgment or whatever you like, it has been mechanism-based for the last 20 years or so. And the fourth thing I'd say is that having got the mechanism right, there has been an enormous commitment from uh, a mixed community of patients, neurologists, pharmaceutical industry, um, agencies, and so on, to see that success through. So those are the reasons why I think it has done so well. And what distresses me a bit now is to hear and read about all of the investment and excitement about other diseases such as dementia, in which you know millions, quadrillions are poured, which hasn't made the same progress. When here is here is a disease that could be seen off if it now had another generation of serious investment. And you've, I mean, though you've not emphasised that, you have made major contributions to that that progress in MS, starting uh, uh, back in Cardiff. What would your advice be, other than uh, don't go into MS because it's a graveyard, we'll assume the advice has changed now, what would your advice be to a young neurologist setting out like yourself, interested in pursuing an academic career? Well, one thing that, that, that has been clear to me is that the interaction between scientists and clinicians is very important. So I think clinicians are very broad, they can move from one problem or topic to another well, but they tend not to be deep. Scientists are very deep in technique and, and so on, but they're very narrow. And the important thing is where that intersection happens, and the bigger the zone of that intersection, the more likely it is that um, uh, success will be made, success will, will occur. And my advice to a, an aspiring clinician scientist is to work with scientists to, to strike up a relationship with scientists so that they are, you're confident in them and they're confident in you and to know your disease. And if you know your disease, then when the difficulties arise, you don't just abandon ship, you know enough to see how the, the problem can be solved and recycled so as better to understand the disease. So there's no 
better way than being well-versed in your disease so that you can uh, be nimble and solve the problems when they arise. And as I've said, to work with good scientists who trust you and vice versa. And you mentioned a number of scientists and clinicians whom you worked with during your own training and career and development. Who would you pick amongst those as, as having the most influence? The people who influenced me? Yes. Well, there have been several and, and along the way. I mean, of course, um, I, I have a huge admiration for the late Ian MacDonald um, because I think that he was a man who, uh, although he, he came at the subject from a, from a traditional point of view, which was neurophysiology, which was you know, the standard uh, research in neurological disease, nonetheless, he was nimble and um, took his basic training into new areas. So, so he was in, enormously uh, influential. And then I, I, it comes back to what I've said, that people who weren't necessarily going to be committed to or interested in multiple sclerosis were persuaded to be interested because they could see a, a glimmer of success or they were impressed that there was a community of people with whom they could work who who knew the disease and knew what they were doing. So Martin Raff was another person who I think um, I found uh, very helpful uh, to work alongside. Uh, and then, of course, Herman Waldman uh, would be another. The list could go on. And towards the end, you talked a little bit uh, about your own future and, uh, and writing. Tell us a little bit more about, about how you plan to spend the time now that waiting list clinics and uh, other demands are things of the past. Well, it, it was always said that uh, an interest in medical history was a sort of old man's sport and that um, one did that when you've got nothing else better to do. I, I have always been interested in, in history. Uh, I find a sort of security in history. Uh, I find a reassurance. I find a romance in history. And down the years, I've allowed myself to pick away and indulge in that a little bit. But it's largely been a suppressed interest. I have not had the time to, to get it going. So, so now that I'm not likely to do any more useful MS research, because the two things that I committed to are largely done, I mean, they're loose ends, but they're largely done, now I can release the long-suppressed interest in medical history. And uh, I am already uh, involved in, in writing a number of books uh, which relate to different aspects of the, the history of medicine, but more especially of, neuro of neurology, including a book on the history of multiple sclerosis I would like to write, which I'm going to call The Iconography of Multiple Sclerosis. So it'll be a book which is essentially based on the images and pictures which tell the story across the, the matrix of uh, etiology, uh, mechanisms, phenotype, treatment, and so on. So that's, that's a book I'd like to, to write, a picture book. <laughs> a picture book, a book, a history book, a biography uh, of Thomas Willis, and then you also mentioned the book on Queen Square. You're going to be busy. You're going to be busy. Yeah. Well, some of these are well started. The book on Queen Square is is really done. It's overdone, in fact. Uh, it's a bit out of control and needs needs some some trimming back. And Simon Shorvan, a very good close friend, has done most of the work. Although I've done a lot myself. Why that book, I think, is, is going to be useful is that there, there are two or three uh, existing uh, histories of Queen Square by very eminent people, but they're not honestly very good. And our book, which is long, is very well researched 
and leans on some archival material which has never been seen before and could get lost. So I think it's actually quite an important mm. book. Mm. And um, my, my only concern is that we make it as good as it can be by a little bit of rigour at this late stage. Well, many of us went through Queen Square, of course, and, and retained an affection. So we look forward to that. We look forward to your uh, other books uh, with excitement uh, and patience, because I think they will take a little while. They, they sound extremely while. demanding. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, thank you very much again, Alastair, and congratulations on being the 2016 ABN medalist. Well, thank you, Neil. And, and, and again, may I say privately, although I guess this is publicly, how very much it meant to me that you wrote and read such a, a moving citation. Um, so thank you very much for that.